0: Today in the Attorney Career Advice Podcast with Harrison Barnes.
1: Law firms love high achievers. You want people to read your resume and be convinced that you're committed to doing one type of practice. Every law firm wants to hire a and, and so the more you can look like a specialist, the better. The other thing that people do all the time, a very common one right now, is people that want to do privacy Become privacy specialists because there's a people can make a lot of money working in house. Average in house job pays, I don't know, $250,000 plus for, or more inside of life. So you went and go get a, and got a privacy specialization. So that's one way. And then you could switch sometimes from litigation example or corporate into. Privacy work. That would be another, that would be one way. And then, but the idea is that what you have to do is you have to start highlighting things on your resume. They, you, every law, every resume needs to have the scent that you're interested in that practice area. So you need to be able to talk about the law firm needs to be able to give themselves the idea that you're going to do all these things that we talked about. You're going to be able to, you're going to stick to the job long term. You have compelling reasons for wanting to do with it. You've gone, your background matches it. You've, Maybe you get an LM LM. Maybe you join associations and meet people and you know, all this sort of stuff can be very helpful to getting these types of positions. So you need to have some sort of there needs to be something in your background, something that the law firms are going to be interested in you because there's no reason for them unless there's something really special about your resume to train you or to hire you to do a completely different practice area. And again, one of the issues that you run into is you run into issues of these kind of five things: can the person Will the person do the job long-term? Will they, do they really want the job? And people don't know. It's very common, for example, in very good economies for people to want to switch from litigation to corporate because there's a lot of corporate jobs. It's very common for litigators to, there's just different types of things. The law firm needs to have, you need to have some sort of, people need to look at your resume and really believe that you're a better fit for a certain practice area than another. And they need to be able to read your resume and see that there looks like some reason that you would be very good at that practice area. So an example would be like if you were a business major and then you worked as an accountant and then you went to law school and then you came out and just had a litigation job. Like it would appear based on your background that you probably would be more interested in corporate. So why are you doing the law firms have to employers are going to be asking those questions. And so you have to have something in your background that points to an interest in a certain practice area. How do you evaluate the cultural fit of a potential attorney through their resume? Culture is based on a lot of different things, and that's actually an interesting question. Cultural fit can mean a lot of things. There's certain law firms are not very entrepreneurial, others aren't. There's a lot that goes into the cultural fit of a potential attorney on their resume. And this is a very good question, by the way, But the cultural fit, you need to take a look at what are the resumes of the people in the firm, of the people in the law firm you're applying to look like. And what does that mean? It means what are their activities? What are their, what interests are reflected? What are the schools? What do the people say about themselves? Or what does the law firm say about them? And sometimes, and that's a good question. So some law firms, you look at some law firms, not all, but some of them. Some law firms may or brag about, about pro bono or all that sort of thing. And all the attorneys may talk about it. And if that's the case, that's a good, that, that would be cultural fit. That might be good for you. And then you just have to see, or some law firms may be composed of all women, or you just don't know women or all, I don't know, men or former athletes. And so you just have to kind of look at what is the, what is the cultural makeup of the law firm look like? And this is a very good question, by the way, because. Law firms do tend to hire people that are good cultural fits. It's not necessarily your, they're hiring for that, but they tend to attract certain types of people and they like certain types of people. Law firms have, all of them have different cultures and that will come through on your resume and, and they're looking for people that are similar to them. Whenever you're applying to firms, you know, you're really, what you're doing is you're, they're looking at you and they're basic, basically hiring you based on whether or not you look similar to them. Now, that doesn't necessarily mean the culture, meaning your activities, interests in schools, but it's going to help. Meaning if you're a law firm composed of diehard Republicans that are all members of the federal Society, and you submit a resume that looks the opposite of that, you're probably going to have a hard time. Whereas if you s- submit a resume that is nothing like that, is all about that, then you're going to have an easy time. So you just have to understand The cultural fit of how that relates to things. What's interesting, and again, I don't want to get too far into this, but but law schools typically will promote your resume looking a certain way, and and a lot of times employers that are working for big, big companies will ask you want your resume to look another way, and so you just have to understand what is it that this particular law firm wants. It can be cultural, based on areas of the country. It can be based on the type of work that firm does obviously a firm that represents indigence and things against the government or whatever is going to have a different cultural makeup than other types of firms. So you have to understand what the law firm is looking for. And there's no right or wrong answer. You're entitled to be the person that you want to be. I'm not telling people they should be far right or far left or not put certain things on there. but But whatever you do, you're going to put yourself into a certain box. And it's either going to help you or hurt you. My recommendation, which a lot of people don't like, and and I'm again, there's nothing negative about it, but is to be very careful with that kind of stuff because unless you want it to, to stick out. So I've seen examples of people applying for in different cities that are far left or far right, not getting a single interview. If they do, it's with a law firm that is far left or far right, or it's just, it depends. And so your cultural fit is going to be like, what is what are your priorities? I see resumes all the time these days, and I don't and again, I'm not saying this in a positive or negative way because I think that everyone is entitled to do what they want on their resumes, but I see resumes all the time that someone might be at like a huge Amlaw 100 law firm and in the corporate department, and yet put the first four or five lines in their resume talk about how all the pro bono work they did, and then they said, oh, and also worked in corporate finance representing, that shows your priorities or something else. And, And unfortunately, that's okay but when law firms are hiring people, they're hiring people whose priorities are typically going to be related to your practice area and wanting to work there. And so anytime you put something that's cultural different, it's going to could be, could hurt you. So you need to be careful of all the cultural signaling that you put on your resume because that's how people are evaluating your resume that way. And again, it can help you. but but it can also hurt you and you just have to be careful. It depends on what kind of clients you want to represent. You want to be representing what type of box you want to put yourself in. And so just look at it from a very high level. What I often see are people that don't have a lot of success in the job market are putting things on their resume that are sending the wrong, that they can't possibly get a job in the type of employer they're trying to apply for in the market based on the kind of cultural signaling they're putting in it doesn't mean that the law firms are being discriminatory against people from different political parties or different sexes or different races. What it means is that it, typically it's more related to what your interests are and whether or not those are compatible with the law firm, meaning are you too entrepreneurial? Are you too? It just depends. Have you ever hired an attorney who lacked experience but had a unique set of skills or qualities and made them send out? Yes. Law firms love that. Law firms love High achievers, like I've seen, like literally attorneys. I've had, I've represented like lots of attorneys that have been like Olympic athletes, or had professional athletes, or former former congressmen and just or congresswomen and congresswoman, or different things that, and then with limited law firm experience and limited, or not even law firm experience, or not even law firm experience that people just fall in love with. And I had one woman, I just remember she was moving to, I don't know where it was, it was like from Chicago to DC or maybe Chicago to, I don't know. And then another one moving, Olympic athlete, like people like that, that are, that have very high achievers and that are high achievers and things that aren't easy to be a high achiever in, will often get lots of attorneys, lots of, I'm sorry, lots of interviews when normally someone that didn't have those kind of experiences would hardly get any. So many times your unique qualities and skills will make you stand out. But the big question is is law firms need to be able to, to channel your drive into something, channel your drive and ambition into something. You have to ask yourself, what is that? What is it? What is it they can do with that? And so you have to, how is it going to make a difference? You need to be able to ask those questions and law firms need to, you need to have to understand. How it works and it's and too when one of the issues is when when law firm when law schools are admitting people, it's always fun to look at like the kind of people that Yale law school and, and really good law schools that have a lot of choice will admit. I remember once meeting a woman from the went to University of Chicago law school and had been I think a professional cheerleader or something. but like a very good cheerleader, like that had also danced and competitively. And I don't know, but, and I thought that was very odd. And she didn't have the type of qualifications of someone that would normally go there, but she was admitted. People like the woman that I don't know if the are Prozac Nation, went to Yale Law School. And there's like just different people sometimes at the best law schools will pick up that don't necessarily have the qualification. And again, I don't know that all these people didn't have the qualifications, but that I don't believe they had the normal types of 3.9 and. 175 and their LSAT type qualifications, but it's that way with law firms too. Like law firms, if they believe that you have a lot of drive and ambition or focus on something, then they, and they can channel that into something, they'll they love you and and they will hire you. But they need to have you need to have some sort of a specific drive or unique skills or something that they believe that can help them. Okay, so a lot of people will use different formats to designing their resume. Unfortunately, I don't think that works very well. Typically, you want you just you don't really want to use different creative formats or design elements in a legal resume. Really, what you need to you need to be able to distill things down into and make it readable. The issue with the creative formats and making things look very nice and things is that it, it's you don't see that with the best resumes. You typically see that with the resumes that aren't that good, and so people put all their effort into making the resume look really good. And then at the same time, the resume doesn't follow all the kind of best practices that I've been talking about today. So really what you need to do is concentrate on everything that I talked about today, which is, and again, this recording will go up later and there's other ones and ones I've done before, but it's very important to, to really, to concentrate on kind of the fundamentals before you try to make it, do all these infographics and color schemes. People, it just, it's a turn off to law firms. Law firms are not designers. They're not and, and it draws the attention away from what may not be a perfect resume. So I would be very careful about that. And this is another good question. It says, is it necessary for interners to include their GPA even if they have several years of experience? And no, you, you typically only want to include your GPA unless it's really good. And if not, leave it off. You just, there's no reason to include your GPA unless it's really good. Because typically it's just going to draw attention to the fact that it's not good. Unless it's you're at the top of your class or something along those lines, you really don't want to include it. You can, if you did really well in college, sometimes include it or, but for, mo- in most cases for law firm resumes, you're much better off leaving it off unless it's exceptional. And in, and that when people get more senior, it's the same thing. Even if you were like in the top 15% of your class at a good law school. You typically wouldn't leave it on unless it was, unless there was some reason to, because it starts looking a little weird. You can put order of the coif on there and you can put, I think if you went to Columbia, a lot of times I think the top third is like a Harlem Fistone scholar or something. It may be better than that. I'm not sure what it is, but sometimes people will put those things on there. But other than that, it's not necessary. This other question, I didn't put the person's name just because make sure it's not the same person. It says, there was a resume of the arc where the person essentially what this person had done was they had been at a company called Landmark as a general counsel for several years. And then their previous job was a mortgage foreclosure practice. And, and now they're applying for in-house employment. So the key there would just be to put, put your last job and the title you had and and then just say something like broad-based litigation practice with, with some corporate or something. And, You don't need to say a lot, but the problem with this, that resume was that what you were doing is you're essentially saying, or this person was essentially saying that, that they, what they were doing was consumer litigation. And then they went from doing consumer litigation to basically representing a company in a completely different practice area, which is corporate. So you just don't want to draw anytime you have different types of jobs. So an example would be, this is just for everyone's benefit would be your current job is uh, maybe an injury litigation, personal injury defense. And then last job was trust in estates, the And then last job was, I mean, these kind of things
0: was, I don't know, a, I don't know, a personal injury. Do you know the secrets to getting your dream legal job? We do. And one of the best things you can do is apply to jobs that fly under the radar. Applying to openings with very little competition means you stand a much higher chance of getting hired. But how do you find openings like that? For starters, you're not going to find them on major job boards, because these jobs are usually only advertised on companies' websites and in small regional publications. That is why we created Law Crossing, the most comprehensive database of legal jobs in the world. We have a team of people constantly working to find every single legal job out there. Unlike other job boards, which only list jobs that companies pay to post, we include every legal job we can find in order to maximize your chances of finding a job. So what are you waiting for? Head over to www.lawcrossing.com to find your dream legal job today.
1: So typically what you would do would be, what I would recommend is you would just put associate, then be very described in detail. And then here you would just put associate and then not spend a lot of time and maybe highlight anything related to litigation. And then here talk about supplier self-associate and just talk about litigation. So you basically, the idea is anytime you've, you're doing different things, you need to de-emphasize that. You don't want to lie. So I'm not saying, and the law firm can ask or they may actually know what the other law firm does, but you don't want to lie, but really but you need to, you want people to read your resume and be convinced that you're committed to doing one type of practice. So this person spent 19 years doing mortgage foreclosure Then the past 10 or 15 years has been doing in-house corporate counsel. So you don't want people to read too much into this previous experience. Whereas if you were trying to get a job as a personal injury defense attorney, then you probably wouldn't want to talk a lot about having done trust in the states and then personal injury defense plaintiff's work. You would just talk about related to That And if you were doing, sometimes people do these major practice area changes, which is okay, but law firms really don't want to hear a lot about it. They want to think that they're hiring an expert doing one thing, just as you would not want to hear that your brain surgeon was doing, I don't know, something different from brain surgery in these past two jobs. And then this job, you would just want to hear maybe that they were working in a hospital doing something that would you wouldn't really want to go into too much on that. Okay, so let's see the next question. How should attorneys approach including references on their resume? Typically, you don't want to list them. If people ask for them, give them. You don't want to say references available on request. You don't want to, you, you do not want to say anything about references, anything about references. And, and there's a lot of reasons for that. The idea is that you want the law firm to ask for them. So people that put references available on request, again, I'm not trying to be rude here, but typically are the sorts of people that the, there's the resumes aren't good. So you just need to, you, you don't need to put re- references on there. Sometimes people may have done very important work, like they may have worked for the general counsel of a giant company or something and will list that, or they, they may have a very important reference to list. The same logic applies, that like you need to be very careful about listing those references, just because typically if people ask for the references, you can give them, but most people, Most law firms are not going to ask for a reference. They're going to ask for them if they feel like they need them. Okay, this particular question is a good one. And again, I'm going to try to answer all these questions. How far should people go back on their resume and what's the best way to present it? So one of the things is you have after law school and before law school. So a lot of people, and these are two different things that are important with your resume. So after law school, you should list... But if, if your resume, if you've been out of law school for an example, if you've been out for 30 years or 25 years, been out for 25 years, I'm just giving you an example, and you were an associate at six firms or eight firms or something, eight firms, I'm just giving you an example, then been a the partner, three firms, this just three firms or something. You don't need to basically list every place that you're, you've been an associate and have Dates and everything. You, sh- you basically would have associate, a law firm associate, and you literally could do this. You could have law firm associate, and then you would just say between the dates, between 98, I'm just giving you an example, and and two, two, eight, 15 or something. I don't know what it would be, but 2009. And then you would just say something like, was, a, was an associate at several top law firms, or top law firms, including. Then you might list three or four. The law firm doesn't need a lot of information. You could literally list a few of them and like that. Literally, if they need all that information, they'll ask, but you don't really need to give a lot of detail, especially if you had a ton of jobs. And so you just need to be careful about that. You're basically, you want people to look at your resume and believe that you have the experience to do a certain type of job. And then in addition to that experience, uh, that's all they really need. You don't want to. You don't want to suddenly detract them from the fact you've had a ton of different jobs or that sort of thing. And then you have your before law school jobs, so you need to be careful with those. You only really want to list those typically if these jobs are relevant to what you're currently doing. That's okay, but if not, no, no reason to. So you might have been a paralegal for ten years. Not probably not paralegal at ten different firms or five firms in ten years. You don't need to. You don't need to talk about that. You could just say I was a paraleg prior to law school as a paralegal or something, but that's not it's not really relevant. Or you might have been an engineer prior to becoming a patent attorney, so that's okay. You could you could list that, but just you don't need to give a lot of details. You just put a few lines about that. Or you might have been you might have been an environmental consultant before becoming before becoming a becoming I mean a an attorney or something. I don't know, but something along those lines. And then now you're an environmental attorney. So. That's okay. That's relevant. But if you're an environmental consultant before becoming an attorney, and now you're a healthcare attorney, there's probably no reason to list that. So you just need to be careful with your job for law school. All law firms are looking for is, does this person, they're looking for a cent. And the cent is, does this person look like they fit what we need? And so what, what people do is unfortunate. So what people do instead is they will put all these other things that have nothing to do with what they're doing. And because they do that, it ends up hurting them. So you need to be very careful about listing things that are giving law firms a scent that you're doing something completely different than what they need. It needs to look like you're 100 percent committed to, to whatever their practice area and stuff is. An attorney that's been out for 25 plus years, or even say 30, and has worked at 11 law firms would basically talk about, and maybe one of them was as a litigator and the rest of them were corporate or one of them. You just talk about the fact you're a law firm associate and some of the work you did, but make it consistent with whatever the practice area is. So this is the big mistake that people make is they, give, they confuse people. And, and so you just everything needs to look very consistent and tell a story. This is a litigator. This is a, this is a corporate attorney. This is a patent attorney. Patent attorneys are engineers. Healthcare attorneys maybe worked in the healthcare industry before law school. But just it needs to tell a story of something that looks very consistent. Do you have any resume tips for an attorney who's been mainly in-house for the last 20 years and would like to work at a law firm? I just did complete a form of contract position, a leading firm. Okay, yeah. So the only way to get into a law firm is if you have been in-house is to make sure your experience, Your all you have to do is focus your, focus your resume on whatever the law firm needs. So if you're doing SPACs and SEC compliance, then that's all you would do. Then you would focus it on that. You would focus on just make sure your resume looks focused on a certain practice area. So, law firms, by the way, do hire people from in house even after 20 years, but you need to be focused on something that they need. It's even more difficult, by the way, in New York, because New York tends to be very focused. So, the problem is with the problem with in house positions, this is just for everyone that's ever considered going in house, in house positions. And this is something we've seen today in all the resumes. Is that in-house requires specialists, house requires rewards and and generally requires generalists, and law firms generally reward and require specialists. Now, not all law firms do, of course, specialists, especially in large markets. So if you're going to get a job in-house, anybody that's trying to go in-house to go in-house to a law firm, you always need to make sure that your resume looks like it's try to make it look like you're a specialist as opposed to a journalist. And that's really the big problem with, with law firm resume, with in-house resumes is the person will talk about being a manager, they'll talk about working with outside counsel, they'll talk about things that aren't related to being an expert or how they were a COO and a in-house counsel. And so though, you won't have that kind of ex- deep experience. You need to make your resume Look like you're a specialist as opposed to a okay. You have to explain how to how you're a, more of a specialist than a generalist, and the better you do that, the better off you'll be. Wow! So everyone on this call, I would say this is I'm seeing a lot of people getting laid off, and this person said that they got laid off, and and this is just really unfortunate that this person got laid off. So this person, this was a a resume. I don't know if the person really went to UVA because we, we changed the schools for some people, but. This person's resume said they graduated from the one we looked at. So they graduated from UVA and they were laid off after just four or five months. And just so everyone understands, this is happening everywhere. This is a very scary legal market. I've seen lots and lots of resumes of people that have been laid off. It's, and as a matter of fact, it's among, it's about the, it's probably getting close to the worst I've ever seen. So I don't, I, I think this will be a time when people look back in the past and they realize how bad it was. A lot of times when you're in the storm and these things are happening, you don't really realize it, but getting laid off after four or five months. And then as UVA graduate, I'm assuming UVA is still ranked a top 10 school and been looking for a job for 10 weeks and not being able to find one yet. Yes. Yeah, so and the person passed the bar, so they weren't laid off or fired for that. And the work was very slow. And this is the attorneys were very harsh, letting me go and try to impart that I was a terrible attorney, a bad fit. So the first thing everyone on this call to understand, if you're a new attorney, or you're a summer, you've had a bad time as a summer associate, it takes four to five years, or it takes at least two to to three years, new attorney to be broken in. And then it takes, I'm sorry, two to three years. And then it takes four to five years for an attorney to become proficient. And what that means is that if anybody gets laid off after one year or, or that sort of thing and told their work's bad, Typically if you're really working hard and you're not arrogant, don't have issues and that sort of thing, the odds are pretty good that you actually are a good attorney and and that what's happening to you is not has nothing to do with your skills because you don't learn to be an attorney when you're in law school. You learn to be an attorney when you get out of law school. And and there's no way a law firm can make that determination that you're a bad attorney in four to five months. It's it's just it's pretty much impossible. You have to be You have to learn all the skills and things. Now, you do have to be very careful about being accurate and not making typos and thinking through things and looking over work product before it's turned in. But people, but law firms understand that when they're hiring you. So the only time law firms are really mean and lay people off and things is when they don't have enough work and they try to put it on the person that's that they're laying off as opposed to that. So this person's asking what types of firms and markets should they focus on? So you were trained as a litigator. You should look everywhere. The idea is when you, anytime someone is laid off or looking for a position, you need to look really, you need to get out there and look everywhere, meaning as many markets as possible. So typically the markets you would look at would be markets where you have connections, meaning family, went to school there. Maybe I'm not suggesting you look at Charlottesville, but that's where you really went. But maybe your college was then you would look at where and then where you're licensed. So look at lots of firms. If you're in Connecticut, look at all firms in Connecticut. The idea would be when whenever you're looking at firms. So again, you have these firms. Everyone can get a job, by the way. If anybody is ever nervous about not being able to get a job, as long as you focus your resume in a certain practice area, you're always going to be fine. So five would be your largest firms. And so say you started at a five firm, got laid off or maybe you're at a four firm, large, medium. I'm just going through this, small, smallest. So all it means, by the way, when someone's lost their job is you might have been at a four firm. It's going to be harder for you to get a job in a four firm if you're laid off than to get a job in a three or two firm. So typically what people do when they're having problems getting a job is all you need to do is just move from a four to a three or a three to a two or a one, and then you can move up later. So I've seen lots of people, by the way, that graduated from top 10 law schools or even better that started out at four firms or five firms and then failed the bar like once, twice, three times or whatever. And then were are like, wow, this is horrible. What happened to me? And then they drop down and the only firm that will hire them is two firm or one firm. And then they just work their way back up and they learn all these lessons and become better attorneys. And a lot of times they end up as partners and things in five firms. So there's nothing wrong with you. Not having gotten lost your job, all it means is you just have to go down the, the pipe a little bit and and then work your way up. What I would suggest is problem with litigation. This is just so everyone understands with litigation is a couple of different things can happen. Your job, this UVA grad's job was doing commercial litigation and, and commercial litigation is harder to get a job with than, than insurance defense or personal injury. The reason for that is just because the, it's easier to prove a case and insurance def- and personal injury than it is to defend. It's just, it's harder to defend commercial litigation. The clients are typically larger. It's just, so one of the things that I would just be careful about is I would try to, if I was a litigator and commercial litigator, I would try to get a job at a firm doing commercial litigation as opposed to insurance defense or personal injury, but you can always do that. I know lots of very successful personal injury or commercial litigators, by the way, that decide that they're more excited about doing something like personal injury and move to that. And there's people like from Gibson that went to Harvard and all sorts of things like that. So there's nothing wrong with doing one of these or even doing personal insurance defense or whatever. But but you just remember that that you're going to learn different skills doing commercial litigation than you might doing personal injury as well. So it's just something to be very concerned about, to be very aware of when you're looking for jobs. Okay. What is your advice regarding LinkedIn profiles? So LinkedIn profiles, I think I, again, that's something I probably, I should probably do much better because I have, I don't know what it is, but it's tens of thousands of LinkedIn connections or whatever. Is it okay to have, okay, not to have one? Yes. I think it's okay not to have one. It's, and I don't know that you necessarily need one. You, a lot of times when people have LinkedIn profiles, it can, it can sometimes, I've heard of a lot of people being disqualified for jobs because of their linkedin profiles meaning someone looks at who they're connected to or someone looks at their interest and and they're incompatible with the law firm wants but at the same time if you do have a linkedin profile the law firms will often look at your connections and they'll or they'll look at your activity and and things and they'll make ju- make judgments about you from that so if you do have a linkedin profile you sh- you should work on it quite a bit and and make sure it's good i'm unfortunately someone that doesn't work as much on their LinkedIn and again, I should do it. I'm not saying but this is what I spend most of my time doing and stuff like this. But yeah, you if you have a LinkedIn profile, you should definitely work on it. I talked to people I remember I was representing all of these I was doing a search for a law firm that was looking for partners not too long ago and and they kept disqualifying people and would be like this person doesn't have enough LinkedIn connections. This person I, I thought that was really unusual, but This these are big law firms. I've seen lots of law firms do this, even with senior associates. If you don't have enough LinkedIn connections, then sometimes they don't like that. I don't know why that is. But I'm assuming that if someone in a law firm is getting business from LinkedIn and they don't see that you're not active on it, they may think less of you. I don't know why that is. But so if you have one, I would just recommend being very active on it and learning whatever you can about that. This person says, I've been practicing over 20 years. Is it okay to link Again, I don't know what that is, but I think I, people that list their link, their LSAT score are people. the only people that list that typically. You know, people that list are, uh, and again, I'm sure 85% is really good. And it probably means you have very natural legal skills. Their LSAT scores, but are people that are like 98 percentile or something are really good. And I don't even know what these percentiles translate into, but I think I think 170 is 90th, and then 171 is 90.1, 90.2 is 172. But just ask, listing only exceptional scores that may, and there may be a reason for that. And the reason, I'm just writing this down. Exceptional scores. The reason you only want to list exceptional scores would be, and the only reason you would ever list it would be if you went to if you went to a tier four law school or something, or tier four, or tier three, meaning not one of the best law schools, but did really well. Law firms may think, oh, you got a scholarship and they have really good aptitude. But other than that, you don't list your LSAT if you went to a top 25 law school. LSAT went to a top 25 law school and that sort of thing. I'm just, typically, it's presumed you did well. The only reason you would list it is if you went to some... I've known people that... Lots of people. It happens all the time. If you do really well in your LSATs and you get 98 percentile or something, you will start getting these letters from all these law schools offering you a full ride. And most of the time, they're not great law schools, but are not the highest ranked. But a lot of times people go there because it's free or whatever. And, and that's okay. But you just list, if you list your LSAT score and you went to some law school that wasn't that great, then law firms will assume you could have gotten into much better schools, but you went there because it was free. And so maybe that helps you a little bit. There's, there's not a lot to that, but that's how, that's how I would do that. Okay. So this first question is interesting. This is what role do keywords play in your resume? And how can you incorporate them without seeming too genetic or generic? So the idea would be if you were, and these are just different ideas of different different practice areas, but if you were to find a practice area that was, if you were doing say benefits law, this is just an example, these would be things that would be probably included on would be related to that practice area. And so you would take a look at that and just make sure your resume talks about that. So you just want to. You don't want to put the keywords on the resume, but you want people to read the resume and see keywords or see things that are related to the specific practice area they need to
0: hire someone for. Do you want to grow your legal career? A lateral move might be the right choice to get you on track for your career goals. Working with a legal placement firm like BCG Attorney Search can open doors for you and help you live the life you dream of. If you're looking for a new legal job, send us your resume so we can help. Visit www.bcgsearch.com and click on Submit Resume to be paired with one of our legal placement professionals who will work tirelessly on your behalf to get you your dream legal job. Submit your resume to www.bcgsearch.com to get started today.
1: So an example would be a very marketable practice area, and it's interesting, is lemon law attorneys. And I think these are either attorneys that sue manufacturers of cars that turn out to be bad or law firms. Maybe not sue, but they also defend. And so if you're a lemon law attorney, you would include things that are in job descriptions and also what you do. And you wouldn't talk about litigation generally, or being a plaintiff's attorney generally. You would talk about where the statutes are that are related to lemon law and things like that. You would talk about that. And then the lemon law firm would take a look at that and see more of what you do. So people, if you're a wrongful death attorney, like they want to see keywords and so forth related to that. So you just, you need to have the ability to, your resume needs to really talk in a lot of detail about whatever your practice area is. And the more keywords that are related to that, the more you stick out. Because people, again, the test of a resume is is how much does the scent of the resume indicate the type of work the person is doing every law firm wants to hire specialists and, and so the more you can look like a specialist the better the idea too is you want people to read your you want people to read your current your current and past experience and see the keywords and other information related to that and the more of that they see the happier they are so i hope that that makes sense so Everything should look as much as possible like that. So again, if a law firm is seeking someone to do lemon law and your last job, you did a little bit of lemon law, but not that much. And then this job, you do it nothing but lemon law. You would want to make sure that you have descriptive keywords for both jobs in there because law firms are going to like it the most. And so it, it, one example would be like, let's say would be you had, I don't know, so I'm just making up a disease, scoliosis. I don't even know if that's a disease, but I'm just making it up. You have scoliosis to a disease. And, and so you wanted, you were looking for a doctor, and maybe there's keywords would be spine, pinched nerve, genetic, birth, de- birth spine defect. I don't know, but whatever that is. And, and these are things that you've been told that you suffered from. If you were looking for a doctor and they talked about this in their current job and then their last job and and maybe they didn't even do a lot of scoliosis, tuberculosis in their past job, but they still mentioned it in their previous position, you would be very interested in them. Whereas if all you saw was if you saw something else, which might be treated asthma patients or something, you wouldn't like that. It's the same thing with law, would not like. So it's the same thing with law firms. They would be, they're looking for you to be as consistent as possible in, in terms of what you do and that sort of thing. I hope that helps. This question, I think I've already answered it, but I'll just go back to it again real quick. How do you recommend trainers highlight their experience and skills in the resume that catches attention? It's the same thing. You just need to look consistent and like you do one thing, do one thing and one thing only. So that's really the most important thing. And then the other thing is sometimes people will undersell themselves, sell themselves. You want to make sure, make sure you emphasize your best, the best aspects of your experience, and then, and not, and not talk about, about stuff everyone does. Meaning sometimes people may say stuff like negotiated with, with opposing counsel. That's, that's the kind of stuff that every attorney does. It would, you just, you talk about the best way to highlight your experience is to really just talk about things that the employer needs for their job, and then not in generalities, and just be very clear and focused on that. Okay, someone said, will you get this document? Yes, yeah, so we'll get the, I will send around this. Okay, this question, can you provide some examples of successful attorney resumes that you read in the past and made them stand out? Yeah, so the big thing with the resumes is just that the best resumes that stand out are ones that are focused on a single practice area and, and make it look like the person is committed to it, committed to the practice area, and wants to be in a law firm doing that practice area. Those are really the biggest things. So the more the attorney is able to do that, the better off they typically are. To be, this next question is, what is your advice and how to signal employers that you're manageable? The best way to do that is typically to make it look, to make it look like you're committed to working in a law firm, you are committed to working in a law firm, working in a law firm, and that your other interests do not take precedent over this. That's all. So sometimes people when they look like they're not manageable, people will start talking about things that make it look like they're not committed to working in a law firm. They'll talk about entrepreneurial activities. They'll talk about other things that aren't necessarily related to what the law firm's trying to hire them to do. And so, if that's the case, then you're going to look like you're not manageable, or you have very strong entrepreneurial interest, or you've had past entrepreneurial interest, or You've been in leadership roles like as general counsel of a company and now you want to work in a law firm where you're going to be taking orders from people. Like all, all those sorts of things make it look like you're not manageable or you've, you've done all these side entrepreneurial ventures. So I think we saw a lot of resumes today of people that probably look like they're not manageable and because of those reasons. And that's the biggest thing that I would recommend just to remove that stuff. Okay. So I think this is our last question. And uh, I can't believe that everyone's stood in this webinar for so long. We always have, everyone always does, but these are always long webinars. They're always about the same length of time. Yeah. So law firms will look at your LinkedIn profile. Many times, all you need to do is just list your most recent experience or one or two jobs and employers will compare your LinkedIn profile. Do People do get jobs with their LinkedIn profile. I'm not saying there's anything wrong with having a LinkedIn profile, but Employers will compare. I see LinkedIn profiles all the time that don't match what's on the person's resume, and it's concerning. I don't even look at them very often. I know our staff does, but but your yeah your LinkedIn profile needs to match your resume. Sometimes people's employers won't be on there. I mean, there's just all sorts of weird things that happen on LinkedIn profiles, and you need to be very careful with your LinkedIn profile. Most of the time, the law firm may look at it if they start doing any type of due diligence. Other times they won't. They'll just see a resume and say, "I want to talk to this person." but sometimes they will. I would recommend being very careful with your LinkedIn profile. And again, it looks weird too, like law firms will, if you only have 100 contacts or 50 contacts or something, law firms aren't going to be that excited about it. They're going to want to see lots of stuff going on. And uh, and if you don't have lots of stuff going on on your LinkedIn profile, the connections and stuff, they're going to often wonder why. And then they're going to wonder why by the quality of your connections, they're going to look to see if you have connections at your previous employers and if those people are important. And if not, so sometimes the LinkedIn profile can get you in trouble. Other times it can help you a great deal and it should be helping you. So you should use your profile to the extent it helps you. But if it doesn't, then it's not something you want. Wow. So this is a lot of stuff today. So I will, to everyone that was on the call, I'll send around the questions from the resume workshop. I'll also send probably the resumes that we reviewed from the resume workshop with the markups. And I'll also send the resume rules for everyone to review. So I'll hopefully get those out in the next day or so. But the big thing I would just say for everyone that spent all the time on this, and I know this has been a very long webinar, is just to make sure that you understand that when someone's looking at your resume, they're trying to put you into a box. And if you make that difficult for them, they're just going to think there's nothing they can do and they're going to move on to someone that allows them to put you into that box. There's lots of things that go into reviewing your resume, but the big, and again, the biggest and most prestigious firms often will have in-house people reviewing them and they're looking for the quality of the firm and your school and things, but, and how well you did in law school. But most firms aren't like that. Most of them are just looking to see if you look like you can do the kind of work that they have and if you're interested in it. And if you are, that's great. One of the things I just want everyone to understand too, that I think is very important is the whole recruiting industry is, is and what I do is interesting in, in a lot of different aspects. But one of the things that's most interesting about it is that law firms typically have always, most recruiters are only interested in people that went to the biggest law school or the best law schools and work at the best firms. And then as associates, and then if you're, and then the practice area has to be hot. And then Also, they're interested in partners, but then the partners have to have a certain amount of business once they get beyond a certain length. And this is just how the businesses always work. But in reality, and it doesn't need to be through a recruiter or otherwise, but your objective should be to get a job and not listen to what a recruiter's saying. And so what I'm telling you just from the standpoint of getting a job is that what you need to do is your resume needs to be very focused on one practice area, and then you need to look like you want to do what you're doing. And it doesn't, and if you have things on your resume that aren't necessarily compatible with your practice area, they need to be dumbed down or minimized because all anybody's doing when they have an opening is they're just saying, does this person look like he could do the job and they're interested and they want to do it? And if you don't, then then they're just going to move on to the next resume. And most employers, when they have an opening, get a lot of resumes. And every time they're looking at a resume, they're thinking, God, I hope this is a good one and matches what we need. Most of the time they're seeing resumes that send off all these smoke signals and that, of different directions. Like the person's not necessarily interested in this practice area. They probably couldn't do it. They've done other things. They look like they're interested in something else. And that's how most resumes work. And so most resumes, the employers get them and they're like, these resumes are trash and they're not trash because they're bad resumes. They're trash because the person has put all this stuff on them that doesn't look like the person's going to commit or be interested in that practice area and what they have. And so that's really. What you need to do is you need to make sure you look at your resume from the point of view of an employer. And when you do that, you make sure that everything is consistent. And again, these questions about LinkedIn were interesting because that's another example of showing inconsistency. So people will look at the LinkedIn profile, and it will show inconsistencies, and it will show it, it will show things that are wrong. I had one of the things. There's a couple of things that someone asked for really good resumes, and, and some of the best resumes I've ever seen. It's interesting. They often say the least. They'll say like something like Harvard Law School, order the coif, and then, I don't know, Yale College. And then they'll just say, and they won't even say anything after Yale College. They might just say five eight a cap or something. And then they'll say a big law firm name. And they'll just say corporate associate. That's all they'll say. And they'll just say the date. And then they may say clerkship, United States Court of Appeals. Whatever, then the name of the, the judge, and then, and then member New York State Bar. They don't say a lot because the experience, the, what the person, where the person's worked and where they went to school and everything is self explanatory. So those are the best resumes. It's, you don't need to, they don't raise a lot of questions. And the person that has that really good resume is very smart because they're not including a lot of detail that's allowing, and they're focusing the resume. They're not including a lot of detail that's allowing the reader to go in different directions and disqualify them. The person can read into whatever the great school is and just reach a conclusion that this person's really outstanding. That's all they need to see, or they work at a great firm, and they don't need to know about the person being in part of this leftist or, or conservative organization or reading about how the person has all these interests that have nothing to do with practicing corporate law at this giant law firm. That's just a very focused resume, and these are the best resumes. Very few people do this, and a matter of fact, the only pe- people that do this are the people that are coming out of your very best firms and because they understand that you, but the less you say often is the better. So a lot of times people will believe the more I say it's the better. But really, when you say too much it, and you detract yourself from from getting a position. So employers want to read your resume. They want to feel confident that you can do the work and that you're interested in the job that they have. And that's all they need. They don't need anything else. But you, everyone gives them all these other things. They have to say to themselves, like, why? would do we need another? Why is this person doing all this crazy extracurricular stuff? Why are they starting their own businesses? Why have they done all these other things? What's going on? And this is how employers think. And then it gets you disqualified from jobs. So the only way to qualify yourself for jobs is to not give law firms reasons to disqualify you. And the only reasons you can give for not disqualifying you are the fact that you're committed to the practice area, that you don't have any outside in. You're not going in a million different directions. You're focused and you know what you want to do. And you're not a dabbler. And if they hire you, you're going to commit and sit down and do the work. And that's how you need, that's how the employer wants to think about you. But the problem with all these resumes or almost everyone review today is you can't tell what the person wants to do. You can't tell if they are going to stick around. You can't tell why you don't know why they're doing all these different things. You don't know what they're really interested in. You don't know what they're going to do next. You don't know. You need to be able to answer all those questions. And, and, the best resumes that I see a lot of times, I can look at them and say, Oh, this person's perfect for this firm, or this person's going to go to this firm, or yeah, I bet they get a job here. And that's what happens. And, but most resumes, you look at them and you're like, I can't figure out what the hell's going on. And so that's the problem. And that, and you need to look at it from your, the employer's point of view. And then you also need to look at it from the point of view of if this person, if I need, if I had a serious, if I had a serious personal injury case, what I want to, and again, just looking at a personal injury attorney. Would I want to hire this person to represent me? Do I care that they were a corporate attorney or they did this other practice? I mean, no. You you want to look at them and just say, wow, this person looks perfect. I don't see anything that detracts from my interest in hiring this person. And if you're able to do that, then you're going to be a lot better off. And that requires you to look at the resumes the way I did today, but also to understand that all this other stuff that you think is important because you're interested in yourself and everyone's like the most interesting person to themselves out there. But everything that you think is important probably doesn't belong on your resume because if you put it on there it's going to scare employers away and and you don't want that you need to you need to have a resume that allows them to think positively of you as someone that's committed to a practice area so that's really all i have i appreciate everyone being on this webinar i'm sorry i don't have the ability to send you all these notes right now but i will i promise that if you signed up everyone will get them and and then next week, we'll be doing cover letter reviews. And so we'll talk about that. Same thing with the cover letters. Talk about you need to make sure the cover letter is very focused on what you're trying to do as well. And and that it doesn't detract from the focus of your resume. But we'll talk about those next week. And then I believe the the same person you sent your resumes to, if you sent it this week, would be the same person that would review with the, what will do the cover letter review with next week. Thank you, everyone, for being on the call, and I will talk to you next week. Thanks.
0: That's all the time we have for this edition of the show. If you are an attorney looking for a change, head on to bcgsearch.com.